Hey guys, it's Brooke. It's Sarah. And welcome um, back to the Making Sense of the Conversation podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about police brutality. And so that's described as when officers exercise undue or excessive force against a subject. This includes, but it's not limited to, physical or verbal harassment, physical or mental injury, property damage, as well, and death. And police brutality is often recently is coming down to it, this idea of racial profiling, um, which has, you know, garnered a lot of issues currently with the George Floyd protests and the Black Lives Matter movement. Let's get into it. So first, uh, let's talk about the history of police brutality. Okay, so um, from what I've researched yesterday on my 2 a.m. research, I don't know what was happening with me. But anyway, yeah. So the first American Police Department was established in Boston in 1838. Um, The communities uh, most targeted by these harsh tactics were recent European immigrants. But as African-Americans fled the horrors of the Jim Crow South, they became victims of brutal and punitive policing in northern cities where they sought refugee. And this is kind of similar to what you were saying last episode, where you were saying um, how the Jim Crow stuff where policing really started with them going after slaves and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's I that's the origin origin, how it's kind of started. Um, the next point I have is that in 1929, with the Illinois Association for Criminal Justice, they published the Illinois Crime Survey, which originally just sought to analyze causes of high crime rates in Chicago and Cook County. And this survey ultimately provided data on police activity, although it was just meant to look at high crime rates. And it showed that African-Americans made up just about 5% of the area's population, but they constituted 30% of the victims of police healing. So, yeah, that's not good. Um, Yeah, so I thought that was an interesting thing. And that same year, this is interesting, Herbert Hoover, who was the president at the time, established a national commission on law observance and enforcement to investigate crime related, um, crime related to prohibition, in addition to po- um, policing tactics. Um, and again, the realities of police brutality came to light, even though the commission did not, was not originally addressing racial disparities outright. And yeah, I mean, that speaks for itself. In both of those cases, they were not seeking to look at racial profiling in police brutality and that's what they found so yeah that's just facts like yeah okay and then um so the next main part i have is during the civil rights movement where this is when aggressive dispersion tactics really started being used um such as police dogs fire hoses which were used during peaceful protests i mean what's happening now 
Yeah. Um, this is violent policing in communities of color started building distrust, which is the same distrust we see today. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm sorry you have to hear my voice so much, but this is a really interesting point that I found. So this was in Newark in 1967. Police officers severely beat a black cab driver named John Smith during a traffic stop, just a traffic stop. Um, and in the next four days, there was a lot of unrest and 26 people died due to, I guess, what was the protests and, um, I don't know, I guess the police, you know, policing the protests. Um, so at, the president at the time was Lyndon B. Johnson, and he organized this National Advisory Commission on Civil Disorders to investigate, like, the causes of the riots that happened after, which is kind of clear what the cause was. And the commission found that, basically saying the commission found segregation and poverty were the indicators. And um, they posted recommendations of, quote, expansion and reorientation of the urban renewal program to give priority to projects directly assisting low-income households to obtain adequate housing, end quote. And Johnson rejected these recommendations. Um, yeah. Presidents. So when given a solution, he chose to ignore it. Yeah, that's why I thought this point was so interesting because it's just ridiculous. And also with all the things that I just listed, I know it's a lot, but there's a clear trend in what's happening. Um, like especially when the civil rights movement hit with the aggressive dispersion tactics. I don't I feel like I don't know, if you if you want to say anything. From what we've seen and everything you said, it feels like the police know there's a problem and officials know there's a problem, but they choose to ignore this problem. Yes, and it, and it allows police officers to continue this, the horrible things that like they're allowed to do. Oh, and it's terrible. And this is a similar case where in 1999, 1991, um, Rodney King, who was another cab driver, was hit more than 50 times by batons of police officers. To me, that's just not necessary. I mean, 50 times, that's just absurd amount. Because I mean, one by the 10th time, he would have been subdued. There's apps, there's, that's excessive force. And also, in the case that I read, it didn't seem like he was doing much. I think it was just. I read that police stops, that, well, obviously, police officers, like, in some states, in some districts, in some counties, um, they're, they have quotas of how many people they need to pull over. And so if they're pulling people over at random and then they're using excessive force with them, like, there's a problem there. And I, people have been trying to address this problem for some time now. And I think it's all coming to a head, like, with our current, like, what's going on right now. And I think people are finally having the discussion that needs to happen. Yeah, definitely. I think also going back to what you were saying about the quotas, I, I remember seeing 
watching a video a while ago, but it was of um, a young cop who was doing traffic stops and stuff. And I think he was saying how, yeah, I'm just, you know, well, I got to make the quota run hot. And I think that's just a huge part of the problem because then once you get pulled over, there's, I mean, I don't know if there's actual t- t- can't speak, statistics supporting this, but um, I think it's more likely that African-American people, if pulled over, are more likely to end up dead. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a fact. I don't know, 100%. But I think, I feel like I read that somewhere. But yeah. Um, and I mean, you wrote down a list of bunch of victims of police brutality so we can start talking about those if you want because i think that the history has led up to this point where these yeah. these victims like they were all in the 2000s i think of the list that we wrote so eric gardner he was killed in uh new york and he was suffocated by a police officer and he screamed, I can't breathe. I believe it was 11 times. And the officer who did this to him, like, I think he might have gotten fired, maybe. Like, there was, he never got prosecuted, nothing. Um, Tamir Rice, he was 12 years old and he was shot by a police officer when he was coming home from the store and he had a, a toy gun in his hand. Not a real one. Nothing like that, just a toy gun. Um, Trayvon Martin, he was killed by George Zimmerman. Um, He was part of their neighborhood watch program. And Trayvon Martin, he was coming home from the store and he had a bat of skills in his hand. And George Zimmerman thought it was a gun and he shot and killed him. Um, Okay. Just sorry, quick thing before um, the Eric Gardner thing, I just searched up. Um, so the officer who, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Pantaleo, he was fired, he was fired more than five years after his death. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to add that in. Anyway, sorry, Trayvon Martin. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're talking about George Zimmerman. Yeah, he's selling the gun that he used to kill him for $20,000. Like, he put it up for auction. Yeah, I, I remember seeing so many things about how George Zimmerman was signing. He was autographing stuff as if he was a celebrity for killing him. And the thing with um, Trayvon Martin's death, I think it was a huge... Um, huge start i think for the the black lives matter movement where people really like i remember when it happened like i was old enough to understand what was going on and to understand what was going on and um that was really the true start of like the black lives matter movement i think and it was as popular as it was now like like I, i definitely would not have spoken about it in school because it was it wasn't something that people like spoke about. Yeah, that's why I think when that's like um, Trayvon Martin or recently George Floyd happened, I think what a lot of people, there's like misconceptions about, because I know there was a video that Candace Owens 
made about how maybe George Floyd wasn't the best person and he wasn't, he, there was like a criminal, um, a list of criminal things that he's done and bad things in his past. But I hate when people are saying for that reason, his death shouldn't be celebrated because I don't think we're necessarily painting him a hero. I think it's more that his death has started a movement um, or restarted this movement that has been going on for so long. Because like I, that argument that like he was a criminal, he was, he was I don't care what kind of person he was because he the police, they are literally there to arrest him. That's their job. If they find that he was doing something illegal, whether or not that was true, their job is to detain him and to arrest him. They're not yeah, there. There was no jury or executioner, especially executioner. There is no case in which I would say it's okay for, well, unless an officer's life is truly, truly in danger and they felt genuinely threatened, then maybe, then they could use force. But there is no case, I don't, he could have been a criminal, he could have robbed that store. They don't get to play judge, jury, or executioner. They cannot decide that he's guilty, so um, it's okay if I can. Like, that's not okay. There's no yeah, justice. Exactly. And with yeah, that's Taylor, the pol- they stormed into her house, her apartment, in the middle of the night, and they killed her in her sleep. They went into the wrong apartment, and before asking any questions, they shot multiple times, many times. Yeah. So it's why, like, that. there's no justice in that. There isn't, and I think in that case, what only one of the officers was arrested. I mean, not arrested, fired. I don't. I think it was like three main officers involved. And I think only one of them was fired. I don't know the exact um, uh, facts, but it's been it's over hundred days, and like none of them have been like arrested. Like, yeah. And I, going back to what you were saying before, I also hate when people, um, like what I was saying before. Like, I hate when they're because Breonna Taylor was. Uh, what an EMT worker mm-hmm. she did nothing bad and yet people are still trying to paint her bad um just to just like detract from and like that. That in, in her case it doesn't make sense because the officers were in the wrong they went into the wrong apartment and killed her yeah, yeah that was that's admitted it's fact they went into the wrong building and it matter I mean, a terrible person like it doesn't matter what her how like what she did because that's not their that's not their decision to make there's there are clear systems which are kind of just but like there's clearly a way to do it and what they did no matter which way you're looking at it it's wrong yeah i think that's what people need to understand is that everyone's done something bad in their life that doesn't make them any less deserving of dying at the hands of people that are supposed to protect them. That's why I sometimes, I, not all the time, I hate when people are trying to justify killing them because they're, that doesn't make any sense because there should be no reason for a cop to be killing someone in cold blood. It just makes no sense. And then with Elijah McClain, he mm-hmm. was one of the most like genuinely like amazing people. 
But that shouldn't even matter. Like, take that completely out of the equation. It doesn't matter if he he literally played the violin to kids. It does not matter because even if he was a, a criminal, the police should not have killed him and then filled him with ketamine? Wait, can you explain the case a little more because... So he was walking. He was walking home at night wearing a, uh, a mask and a hoodie because he's anemic. So he's wearing a ski yeah. mask, and it was cold in Colorado. And so I don't know the exact, but like I'm pretty sure they stopped him, and then they he I feel like he were like he was suffocating. He's like his last words like I can't breathe, and then. They filled him with ketamine to calm him down, I'm pretty sure, is what they said. I remember it was way more than a dose of any human should have been given. Way more. That's what I read. More than needed, is what I read. Um, so, okay, so, I have the thing. So, on the evening of August 24th, 2019, Elijah McLean was walking home from his local convenience store. A passerby noticed Elijah wearing a ski mask, flailing his arms and listening to music. They called 911. That's a problem. Why does everyone call the police? And whatever. And then he, and so they told the dispatch they didn't believe anyone was in danger. Elijah routinely wore masks when outside because he had anemia and became cold easily. When officers arrived and tried to stop Elijah, he continued walking and said, I have a right to go where I'm going. When an officer touched him, Elijah said, I am going home, leave me alone, and let me go. No, let me go. I'm an introvert, but please respect my boundaries. A struggle escalated, and three officers wrangled Elijah, who weighed 140 pounds, toward a lawn, threw him against the wall, and then tackled him to the ground. One of the officers applied a carotid control hold on Elijah's neck while Elijah cried and pleaded. At one point, an officer spotted another officer's body camera, pointed at him, and said, move your camera, dude. Elijah was handcuffed. Medics injected him with ketamine to sedate him, a dose appropriate for a man much larger than Elijah. He suffered two heart attacks while he was taken to the hospital and was pronounced brain dead on August 30th, 2019. He was 23 years old. None of the officers or medics present at the scene were charged. I don't even know what to say to that. That's just... And, like... It's crazy how this has happened recently. Mm-hmm. Like, especially like, how many of these things happen, but are, are they're not like documented, so we yeah. like, don't hear about it. They're not popularized by the news, so like you don't know about it. Yeah, that's just crazy. I remember just watching all these. I think one night I went through just watching all of these cases because I want to know what was happening and everything. And um, I came across a video. I forgot. It was um, a case worker working with um, an autistic patient. I, I think you know what I'm yeah. talking about. We're just laying on the floor, hands up everything. Um, obviously, the patient with um, some mental disabilities was, wasn't was cooperating because, you know, he, he wasn't yeah. focusing. Um, uh, and the, the case worker was like, he explaining the case he's autistic he doesn't know what's happening right now he was fully cooperating and they had police surrounding him like that's just crazy there was no need what was he really doing why were they even stopped it was just crazy and so 
We can talk about what caused police brutality. Wait, sorry, what did you say? We can talk about what causes police brutality now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to start? Yeah, okay, so... We can start with, like, the blue wall of silence, which is basically, like, other police officers, they're not going to come forward and, like, confront, like, their other, like, officers. Because yeah. like, there's, like, this thing where it's, like, you have to protect your other officers rather than, like, address them and be, like, oh, hey. And, like, they're, like, there's, like, the good cops, whatever, like, a lot of them who do, like, break this line of silence, they're arre- they're kicked off the force or they're ostracized by other officers. So then it's, like, the yeah. people who really want to make the change, you don't, like, the system doesn't allow them to. Yeah, I was, I saw a post or something where it was, like, um, not necessarily relating to police brutality, but people or a woman who wanted to speak out about rape allegation against one of her coworkers got fired. Um, it's the same thing. There, no one's gonna turn against their fellow. Um, I don't know. Um, because I feel like that's like they're serving and protecting each other, and not like they're yeah, not protecting us. But like they have, there's like a bond there where they would rather protect one of their one of their own. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely one of the problems, 100%. And then uh, militarization of the police. The NYPD police budget is $87 billion. Like, a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Billion dollars. Um, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> What exactly is doing with training? Exactly, because three hundred million of those dollars are going to police who are being put in schools. So you have eighty. Wait, wait, how eighty-seven billion? You said because like three. The mayor cut a billion dollars recently, and they're very, very, very upset about that. Like. Watch that billion dollars be taken away from the training funds. Ooh, sorry for your loss. And, and like, the police, like, especially, like, in the riot, like, the riot stuff, I feel like the riot gear is so expensive. Oh, it's extremely expensive. I just feel like the police... They should have better, like, relationships with communities. Like, I know it's, yeah, like, that- a form of, like, reform that really hasn't worked. I mean, I think it's worked in some places, but it's not, like, the best, like, form of reform. But... Yeah, that's why... They're um, so, with- like, desensitized, and, like, they just act as if they... Like, the people are against them. Like, especially in the riots, like, no, like, no, I mean, technically in the riots, technically they're against them, but, like, not, like, they're not attacking them, so it's, like, why are they, why are they so aggressive? Yeah, especially, I think, in, um, the peaceful protests, 
Uh, that I don't understand. There's no reason to even, there's absolutely no threat if they're just peacefully protesting or warrant any type of physical force. That's ridiculous. And then um, also like the pepper spray and like the rubber bullets. Okay, so I understand why they might use pepper spray. But the fact, but I saw videos of them just spraying people that weren't doing anything. Like a girl was walking to spray. And, and then earlier, like in the like first couple of days of the protest, there was a video of the NYPD just like ramming into a group of people. Oh, with a car. Yeah, and I was like, and then spraying them as they were doing that. And I was like, do you not see how aggressive you guys are being right now? My favorite, though, is the fact that these rubber bullets are, like, basically the size of baseballs. Um, and, and they're not inside of them. There's metal, yeah. And I, it, it, it hurts me every time I see a picture of someone that has long-lasting damage to their eyes because they were shot so by a rubber bullet. Have, like, their orbital, like all, like, all in their eye area, just, like, the bones like crushed and like so many people have gone blind because of that as well as like getting pepper spray in their eyes yeah and also the tear gas stuff one of like i have my heart went out to that girl that died because of it because she had asthma problems mm-hmm. like isn't that like not supposed to be used like like in war like they're not allowed to use tear gas like isn't it isn't it considered um a war crime it's i'm pretty sure it's a war crime yeah i was reading something about that a lot of the techniques that they're using are considered war crimes i think i, I don't know if that's a fact but i was reading something about like how some things that they're doing can be considered war, war crimes and i think that says something about how they're dealing with this um and then we can talk about how like Stop and first, like, how they literally would, if they had probable cause to stop someone, they could just go stop them and then pat them down and do whatever they wanted to do. That's too much power. And that also goes into the psychology of possessing absolute power. If you're black, it's like you're, you're untouched. You can be, you're untouchable. Yeah. And also, like, qualified immunity, like, you're not gonna get in trouble because you've if you've done this before and you didn't get in trouble then, you're not gonna get in trouble now. And other actors have done that, so you're not gonna get in trouble. Yeah, I honestly I wonder how these police officers. I'm sure most of them have not gone through I don't know random stop and frisk search because I think it's kind of targeted. But I wonder how they would feel if they were just stopped. I don't know where. Because of probable cause, and they were stopped and searched. Like, I guess that's just... And then going into this profession, you have to have, like, a mentality of, like... Maybe you don't start off with this mentality. Like, you go in, like, initially, like, you want to serve and protect people. But the I feel like the longer you're in the force, like, there's going to be, like... Your psychopathy is going to change. Like, you're going to be, like... There's, those, there's like, a path... Like, the power you receive, 
Like, it can either, it can turn you into a terrible person. Because, like, when you're going in, the intention, like, the intention when going to a police officer, I think it's very important. And I think it also, like, that also plays into, like, their training and stuff. Because if a lawyer has to have eight years of schooling to be, in order to practice law, how on earth are police officers only needing a GED to enforce those same laws? How would, like... Yeah, they're given guns, things that can kill people with just their minimum, like, what, couple months of training? I don't know. Um, that's another thing, I think, along with the ideas of defunding the police or just they need more training. It's they need more psychological training, ways to not have to use... Um, like physical force when not necessary to de-escalate tension and stuff and whatnot. And like also the like absolute power that comes from like like solutions. Oh we've we've aired our grievances. We should give some solutions to what we think could be pop like possible things that could be better than what's our current like status quo is. So yeah. number one is to defund police. And reinvest into communities with the money you're taking. Yeah, I think we, if we take a chunk of, again, their $87 billion budget um, and just put us, like, we're not taking out everything, but a sizable chunk into the city's budget, maybe they can invest in communities, especially marginalized ones, um, where this over-policing is occurring. Exactly. And we're not trying to say like take all the money away. We just want to reallocate to you know maybe social services or just in ways that we can try to reduce maybe contact with the public when not necessary and maybe reduce violence in turn. Um, and obviously, there are people that are actually seeking to disband the police in general. I mean, just completely. But I think that's a really medical side i don't know if i use that word but like you know that's um a different story we're talking about defunding the police currently right now because of how polarized people are like just like in political like opinions and stuff whatever it would be hard to like completely disband the police and because yeah, I think in general- People see it as being so radical. I can I completely understand why people want to disband the police. And the same so, yeah. thing with, like prisons, because prisons are literally slavery, especially the, like they're privatized, like and like they literally yeah. use them to create like it's free labor because like they create stuff for companies. So like I completely understand that, but like in like the current political climate, I think it would be hard for people to like generally sit down and like hear the i like hear the actual concept other than just like saying like disband the police like we're gonna fall into um, complete chaos but like like disbanding the police like things would be put in place in ch- like in exchange for that but like i think yeah i think you know, people are like they're too afraid and they're too scared of change that defunding the police and like putting it into communities would be like the best option so like yeah like the best next step because mm-hmm. Eventually, 1% of the NYPD budget 
you could fund a thousand kids four years college, like, like just one percent uh, of it. And education is so important. Like, if you're educating more kids, you're gonna like education is so important. Like, you can see like people who are better educated, they have more successful lives. And so, if you help like the communities, and then. In addition, I have, like, a, there's a bunch of things, like, so, like, police officers really shouldn't, like, respond to, like, a call that's about mental health or calls that are about, like, domestic violence because um, I don't just, I don't think, I agree, I don't think they're equipped to deal with that. At all. I don't think they would approach it. There, there could be other people that may be, like, People who are socially these specific situations because I'm pretty sure I think 40% of officers of like have like reported cases of like domestic abuse. And then yeah. and then there's women who like I'm pretty sure it's like one third of the women who have called the police like during a domestic violence like like situation, they regretted it and wished they never did. Only one of seven would one of seven women would call the police again in this situation. Yeah, and I just they don't have the mental health. Can women call the police on a man who's abusing her, and the police arrest her. Yeah, they also like I understand. No, I actually don't understand. But um, if that's what you're trained to do, then then you shouldn't be doing it. There's no excuse for wrongly going into someone's apartment and shooting them or arresting them for making a call to the police. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah, I think also, like, because, like, officers are supposed to, like, go to every single type of call, I think when random people start calling the police because, like... Like, with the, the woman in Central Park when she was walking her dog and she's, like, calling the police on this black man who did nothing yeah. to her. Or when, like, people call the police and, like, people have, like, pu- like barbecues in public parks. Like, you're putting those people in danger because you don't feel safe when no one's... You are coming and harassing these people. They should call the police on you. But I think... Exactly. That if- you take away some of the power from the police. It's like also like it's less responsibility because like they, they their jobs are it's a high stress situation. If you take away some of the things they have to respond to, they're gonna be more equipped to respond to the things that they actually need to break through. Yeah, and I think that just goes um, hand in hand with training for what they actually should be doing. Um, I don't think they're equipped to deal with mental health. So let trained professionals deal with that maybe and, you know, focus on the actual dangerous stuff that might be happening like violent stuff that, you know, police are equipped to deal with. Um, but again, training so that they don't have to use force when not necessary. Okay. And that's a huge. I think we should yeah. end this conversation talking about like the term ACAB. Yeah. So, a lot of people think it means all cops are bad. That is not true. 
the term means all cops are bastards but they're not like not in like the the mean term not in the derogatory term it's like they're all bastardized by an immoral unjust system because like going back like what was what were the police created for they were created to like they were like to catch runaway slaves and to like harass like immigrants yeah uh clearly um again i just i think what the main thing to focus on is that we're not saying that every single police officer is bad and i think that's a huge misconception with where a lot of people are att- kind of attacking people that say acab about it's we're not saying because we understand like we're not dumb we understand that every not every person is a bad person they're they're exactly. they're genuinely be, good cops that'd be completely unfair and that'd be wrong for us to say completely wrong because there's no way yeah every, that'd be this that'd be hip, like that would be hypocritical of us because yeah, you're generalizing and you're trying to say that every single cop is bad. Um, but we're saying the system is bad. They work for a system that benefits, that, like, takes advantage of the power that they have. Yeah. And doesn't, like, they're not, like, the as a system as a whole, it seems like they're not serving and protecting the people, but rather that they're serving and protecting, like, the police like they are serving like their badge yeah and um i think that you i think people just need to keep in mind that um i mean it's clear from what we talked about that you know the system is corrupt that there are parts that need to be changed and honestly the only way to really you know make that change is to do you know just be aware be educated and just be active about it. And I think, you know, just making sure, honestly, just making sure you understand what's happening is a huge part of it. Yeah, and I think like that. Trying to be like, ignorant and like blind to what's going on, like just ignoring it, that's like, that's the worst thing to do. Yeah. Really? And I think, um, I was going to say, like, in the next episode, if we talk about, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about, but. If any future episode, movement, um, it's the same thing with All Lives Matter, where most of the people are saying that are, you know, just they're not being educated on why that is wrong. Anyway, yeah, so what are you saying? It's, I feel like it's just important to have conversations because, like, if you're just, if you're blindfully, like, just going around just, and you don't care to inform yourself, you're worse than the people who, do know the situation and just choose to like who just have a disagreeing opinion but you're worse if you were just choosing not to like like understand what's going on because you feel like it doesn't affect you when this it's again like as we said in the last episode like this is not a partisan problem this is a problem for everyone like this is that's something you say like yeah but i'm i'm a republican so i don't believe that or i'm a democrat like this is not that this is you as a person and like what do you believe like are you in the right or you're in the wrong yeah it's not enough to just yourself as a democrat anymore just because you're simply a democrat doesn't mean that you're doing what you should party systems are ridiculous like like 
listen, if we go back to my English knowledge, I'm pretty sure Madison said factions. Mm-mm. No. No. <laughs> Only two, like, main ones? No, you need many, many, many small factions. Factions are parties. But, like, factions, so they're there. They, like, they equal each other out. So there's no one, like, so everyone can be heard. Wow. So we have a large federal republic, period. (laughs) Also, with the political parties, like, I hate when people, oh my gosh, I hate when people say, oh, but the Republicans are the ones that fought for slavery, for uh, the abolishment of slavery. The party switched. I feel like some people don't understand that. And that's just... Even if we, like, we live under the assumption that well, the Republicans did this. All right. So the Democrats, we're gonna, we're gonna make these changes. But then they're like, mm, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't like those changes. And I'm like, but like, you remember, your party did all these amazing things. Why wouldn't you want to continue that, that legacy? Yeah. Why, why don't you want to continue that? The previous people thought, uh, or they weren't even. But you know, if you're gonna use that logic, then at least continue with it and be steady with it. a good conversation we should have at some point later on. The Confederate flag conversation. That's a conversation to be had. I'm just thinking about that video of the dude who is fighting about it. It's under my head. It's called SMB Confederate Flag Debate. I watched that video religiously. And it's so sad because there's like a couple of kids in that classroom. It's a, I think it's in Arkansas. It's, it's someplace in like the South. And like they have deep, they're deeply connected to their Confederate family members and their Confederate history. Confederates are enemies of the state. They're literally enemies. They're terrorists. If you really think about it, whatever. And so this debate, it's like of these high school kids. And they're so adamant about the flag. And, like, they're being blatantly, like, racist. And then they're telling this kid who was actually speaking facts. And I was like, wow, this is so disrespectful. We're going to end soon. I want to end on a note that Donald Trump's um, approval ratings have been going down. I think that's a nice high note to end this episode on. Which is completely warranted. I mean, look at what he's been doing. I don't even know. Didn't oh he God. just... Nick videos is no longer a Trump supporter. <laughs> I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Uh, I can't. I don't, I don't know how to... It, it's way too drastic for me to, like... I'm all for people changing their opinions, like, 100%. But I feel like it just came at a very weird time when he started hanging out with mainstream creators for him to just suddenly say, I don't support Trump anymore. He's, yeah. well, everything he's done is so bad. I was very confused was hanging out with, I don't even know what, what house is he in? Like, with Polo Boy? He's a little Polo Boy. And I was like, not the CEO of New York hanging out with the CEO of conservatives. Like, what? Uh, but also, just because he, d- he doesn't support he doesn't support Trump now. He still supports people's policies though. Like he's transphobic. Like he's pretty sexist. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope you guys learned some stuff about police brutality and hopefully Please what it means. this information with your family, your friends. No, tell them to give us a listen to whoever actually listened to this. I mean, oh my God. You can follow us on Instagram at making sense of the combo. You can email us at making sense of the conversation at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You also listen to us on not only Spotify, but also anchor.com. I mean, do both. Why not listen to both of these full episodes? Um, okay, yeah. Thanks for listening. That was a good ending.